fundamentally that's where i see things going is that whenever you want it wherever you want it you are able to get the product and that means a lot of different technologies have to come together to realize that future welcome to the future of a podcast by fresh consulting where we discuss and learn about the future of different industries markets and technology verticals together we'll chat with leaders and experts in the field and discuss how we can shape the future human experience. I'm your host, Jeff Dance. In this episode of The Future Of, we're joined by Gotham Wadkapat to explore the future of the retail experience. Welcome, Gotham. It's a pleasure to have you with me on this episode, focused on the future of retail. I'm excited to have a, a deep thinker, a professor, a, a futurist, someone with a lot of experience in this space. Just for those who don't know you, can you give us some more insight into your experience? Yeah. Well, Jeff, first of all, thank you for having me. Excited to be here and to share my viewpoint. So as you said, my name is Dr. Gautam Vadkepat. I'm an associate professor, a dean scholar, and the director for the Center for Retail Transformation at George Mason University. And I have, for the past 15 years or so, I've experienced retail. First got exposed to retail when working on my dissertation, when my advisor worked was on the board of large public corporations, and I got exposed to the data that retail had, and I got fascinated with retail. How do you take data that retailers have and generate insights that allow retail to be successful? Since then, I've worked with numerous retailers on multiple different facets of retail, go-to-market strategies, data insights. We also worked with GE and part of the team that worked on the digital transformation of GE. And my recent iteration, I've worked, I am the founding director for the Center for Retail Transformation, where we help retailers, big and small, deal with the transformation that retail is going through. Awesome. Thanks for that background. So to kick off, you know, as we think about today, can you just walk us through some of the core components? I want to kind of ramp into this session together. Can you walk us through some of the core components of retail that go into kind of retail business? Sure. Like, so fundamentally, if you if you simplify it, right, retail is just the process of selling goods or services to a consumer, right? But if you take it, if you look at the details of that, then you cover a lot of different components. Retail could be selling directly to consumers. Retail could be selling to consumers through retail stores. And all of them require different components. But there are a few things that are common, right? One is the merchandising aspect of things, right? You are ultimately selling a product or a service, so you need to deal with the merchandising. The second aspect is the labor, right? You got, if you're a retail store, you have store associates, store teams. If you're DTC, you still have the customer service component that's critical. Then if you think about it, there is the HR-related stuff, right? The corporate stuff that deals with communications. And then there's the marketing component. How do you get people into the store? How do you get them to or your online commerce? How do you get them to stay? a customer, right? And then post-purchase, how do you keep them there? How do you keep them? And there are so many retail stores opening and closing, both online or in person, right? physical stores. How do you actually keep the customers engaged with the store? That could be one component. And then the last part is, of course, the, the supply chain. How do you move the product from the manufacturer all the way to the consumer and when they want it, where they want it? So it covers a lot of facets, some that are common to almost all industries, but others that are very unique to the retail sector. 
You mentioned DTC, and I know there's a lot of acronyms in this space, like CPG or ESG. <laughs> I've heard BOPIS, you know, obviously B2C, yes. B2B, but just can you walk through a few of those acronyms just in case we say some and other, some of the listeners aren't aware? Yeah, that's a really good point. You know, I talk about retail so often that you use acronyms. It's not uh, in the common parlance. DTC is direct to consumer, right? So retail in its early conception was where you had retail stores, where you go to the store to buy your product, right? And now you have the, the idea that you could shop online and that's DTC. You talked about ESG. Most retailers today are focused on being a responsible retailer, right? That means taking care of the environment, taking care of the societal aspects, and taking care of the governance. CPG is consumer packaged goods, right? So when you think about retailers, are they just selling products oftentimes and they're buying it from these consumer packaged goods, as an example, and then selling it to the consumer at higher markups. You talked about both as something that is an outcome, I think, of the pandemic, right? Before pandemic, there was not this acronym, and BOPIS has a lot of different iterations, but it's simply buy online, pick up in store, right? And the, the idea is that, okay, look, I don't want to go into the store. Time is of essence. Let me place the order online uh, and pick it up in store or some version of the store. Uh, it's a common thing and that almost all retailers are doing these days, and it's one of the positive, if there's ever a positive outcome out of a pandemic, that's probably something that we have seen from a retail context. You mentioned uh, BOPIS as a result of the pandemic. Let's talk about the last couple of years. You know, what has caused a lot of changes in the retail world? We have the pandemic, we have, you know, the supply chain issues, the labor shortage issues, you know, we have inflation, we have the, the recent war and, and everything related there. But what has changed in the last couple of years for retailers? I and mean, what has been some positive change? What's been some negative things? The way I say it, right, these are all negative events in some ways, but they have a positive outcome in that they have actually accelerated the rate of innovation. Retailers have now come to realize that, man, we have to be far more agile, far more innovative, and far more adept at dealing with the ever-changing needs of the customers. And so they started deploying a lot more technologies, being a little bit more responsive to the needs of the customers. And you, we talked about BOPIS being one of those outcomes, right? Before pandemic, it wasn't. But it, almost every retailer has rolled it out. And within a period of three or four weeks, they've been able to roll out something that is a game changer in many ways, right? And so I do think that that's one of the positive consequences of all of these things. You talked also about the... What are the negatives, right? So when you talk about all of these factors, they put pressure, different retailers respond to it differently. And one of the downsides is that this has a massive impact on the smaller retailers, right? The ones that who have not been able to adopt technology as much, who have not had the supply chain built out in a way that is responsive to these macroeconomic shocks, who typically suffer in getting high-quality talent into their workforce and so forth. So they are feeling much more of the pressure, but at the same time, because they're smaller, I also think the positive side of the negative is that they realize that, okay, now let's be agile. Let's take advantage of a size to react. What about for the buyers? You know, our shopping has changed. You mentioned BOPIS, but what else has changed You know, at a macro level for us? The desire for convenience has uh, skyrocketed, right? Uh, is that now, hey, look, I want this now. Uh, you've seen the quick commerce emerge, right? 15-minute delivery or, or the promise 15-minute delivery. 
the buy online, pick up in store is a play on convenience. I also think that you're seeing a lot of people willing to shift between loyalty has suffered in some ways. People are willing to shift their purchase behaviors. And when you talk about these macroeconomic shocks, especially inflation and so forth, right? when people are getting more price sensitive, one last point, what people are also, consumers are also looking for is retail that aligns more with who they are as an entity, right? So you're looking at more responsible retail, more ethical retail and so forth. Probably when it comes to sorting, it's still price, convenience, the value that you get, the merchandise that you have. But now these other factors are coming up more and more as decision makers, being ethical, being responsible, how you treat your employees and so forth. With the awareness of the environment, of climate change and everything else, people are saying, okay, how am I impacting that? And and so how does that change my pur- my own purchasing behaviors? People, the awareness has sort of triggered some alignment to like, okay, well, wh- who am I buying from and, and who, you know, what are they doing? Yeah. And I think retailers are very much aware of the sustainability footprint and they're all making efforts to address those concerns and they view it as an opportunity, forget not concerns. Yeah. You know, innovation often centers around problem solving, challenges, failures. So what are some of the big problems that we still are facing today that we're going to continue to see innovation around in the future? Again, I'm an academic as well, right? So if you broaden it up, right, the biggest problems are eliminating friction and creating memorable experiences, right? That's what people are striving to do. Those are the challenges of retail. How do we eliminate friction? How do we actually create those memorable moments that wants you to keep coming back. And so to that extent, when you break it down, what are the real components of it? The day-to-day components, right? You think about going through a physical store, the amount of time you spend at checkout, right? That's a real friction point that people want to have addressed. In today's world, stockouts are a major problem, right? And you think about returns, that's a huge problem. How do you deal with it? Then you think about discovery. That's another aspect of those memorable experiences, not finding the product that you want. And also the last, but perhaps not the least, I think is those customer experience, right? How, what was your experience like? How did the store or the, that online website look like? What was the experience like? How was your engagement with the store associate or customer care representative? So these are, to me, like, the challenges that retail still faces moving forward. New challenges and opportunities. I guess some of that isn't new per se. How do we create a memorable experience? But in the face of, you know, was it 30 million new products introduced each year? It's like you have you have more competition, you have more fragmentation, you have more channels. And so how do you create this memorable experience? I think is becoming harder, right? To say, oh, I'm standing out now that I can see everything online. And everyone has to be online in order to compete. Like, it seems like on selling online is like table stakes now to survive. Maybe Bopis, you know, the buy online, pick up in store will be table stakes for a lot of retailers. It was like, oh, I need to do that because it's friction to actually go into a store and walk around and try to find the things I need. So if I can quickly do that online, then I, I can just go pick it up. I'm going to save some time. And if I may add, right, like, so it's only about 14% of all commerce is still online. Most of it is in store, but the important thing is that synergies between online and offline, right? So you, essentially, you just want to shop whenever you want, wherever you want. You need to have access to it. And retailers are trying to figure that out. How do you build those synergies across these different 
channels that you talk about, Jeff. Is the 14% number related to worldwide commerce? No, actually, that's that's U.S. Uh, that's U.S. Because, uh, U.S. Yeah. based. Okay, thanks. Tell us about some of the major companies that you think are shaping retail. Obviously, there's Amazon, but you feel free to speak to that. But tell us about you know who you see really shaping uh, retail, where they're kind of leading out right now. Obviously, Amazon, right? Shout out to Amazon there. Uh, just Walkout Technology has spewed a lot of others who are trying to do the same. Uh, they've always been that data-driven, innovative retailer. You know, think about the Walmarts and the Targets of the world. They are also, when you think about physical retail, how do you use the store to be the hub for custom experience? They are innovating at a rapid pace. When you think about, you know, we talked just a little bit ago about ESG and sustainability. Think about companies like Patagonia and others who are actually changing the way consumers think about it, right? Even the fast fashion retailers like H&M, who, right, are thinking about sustainability now and how do we actually incorporate sustainability? In addition to the conversation we had with our guests on today's episode, we asked another expert to provide their insights on the future. Hello, I'm Sucharita Kadali. I am a retail analyst at Forrester, which is a technology consulting company based in the U.S., I work with a lot of retailers, brand manufacturers, and technology companies supporting the retail ecosystem. Retail in the future, in the next 10 to 20 years, will definitely be more sustainable and more environmentally focused. I would say that's probably the single biggest change that we'll see. When we look at the biggest categories of retail, like food or apparel, they are in many ways, there's a lot of waste in those categories. There are issues with the circularity of product, what happens in the afterlife, there's a lot of waste. And much of that is just not sustainable. A significant portion of uh, carbon emissions are tied to the retail industry. And the retail industry needs to grapple with those, you know, kind of with those negative externalities. And what will likely happen is more of an embrace of circular businesses for physical goods in sectors like apparel, footwear, even electronics, anything that comprises metals or plastics. In the food sector, it will be more about making sure that there is less waste. So that could involve more industrial composting facilities in municipalities. It could be more ordering ahead or having better inventory planning. There are interesting technologies like appeal sciences out there, which are intended to improve the shelf life of a lot of perishable goods. I expect that those types of technologies will continue to grow and be more broadly adopted. There are all sorts of technologies now that are enabling the substitution of categories like meat, which we know are carbon intensive. So to try to substitute some of that for less carbon intensive products instead, that still, you know, kind of satisfy needs for taste and flavor. How am I shopping in the year 2030? Like if I'm an everyday person, you know, 
what does kind of retail look like you know, 10 years from now? It could be 20 years from now, but there's definitely been some things trending right now. Like what could that look like? And let, let's walk through some different technologies as well that could maybe shape that experience. Again, back to the fundamentals, right? Retail is just about getting the product where you want it, when you want it, how you want it, and the format that you want it, right? So the, the future of retail, if you're asking me that, will be that is that it's that on demand. So it could be living in the metaverse, right? You're sitting on the couch and you want to have that experience. You go through the that physical digital divide to get into the digital space to have a consumption. It could be delivery to your home through we have got retailers now having drone delivery we've got mobile retail stores that are on demand right that's the future of retail fundamentally that's where i see things going is that whenever you want it wherever you want it you are able to get the product and that means a lot of different technologies have to come together to realize that future so you mentioned drones, you know, and we've seen the the trend of ultra fast delivery. And then also in a lot of the US as an example, you have less urban environments that aren't quite as easy to deliver to. So drones kind of enabling ultra fast delivery. You mentioned the metaverse. The metaverse is really a hybrid experience, right? It's like I'm in present and then I'm I'm virtual. And so this trend towards like more virtual where it's like I could be shopping in the store on my couch is sort of kind of what you're saying. So the metaverse being a, a key aspect of the hybrid environment. You talked about areas that are harder to surface, uh, to service, right? You could have fully autonomous stores where now you are able to serve these communities far more effectively. And you're seeing a lot of them pop up right now, right? Uh, and there are companies in Europe like Lyfts that are actually doing that quite effectively. So autonomous stores meaning more like the Amazon just walk in, walk out sort of technology where you go in, the worker, you don't have work many workers there, none at all. And you, you go in, you grab what you want and you kind of walk out. Is that what you mean by autonomous? Yes, that is exactly what I mean by autonomous. And you, you can think about a future where the merchandise that's stocked in those stores are autonomously stocked, right? Like you've got the robots that are actually fulfilling them and so forth. So you are actually able to have a societal impact and actually change the landscape of a country or of the globe, in, in fact, if you start thinking about that future. So robots being a big, automation and sort of robots being a big part of that. And why is that? Is that because of the labor shortage? You think we'll see a, a big trend in that? Yes, part of it is indeed the labor shortage, right? It's also unglamorous job stocking. <laughs> the, the shelves is really unglamorous. And do you want to do that? Like, no, most people would like to spend more time in more creative, human-facing, problem-solving kind of endeavors. The second aspect is also efficiency, right? When you repeatedly do a process, it kind of, you are prone to errors. And then if you incorporate robots into a retail store, and I'm not talking about micro-fulfillment centers, you can actually deal with much better inventory planning and actually using the store far more effectively. So I, I think, to your broader point, I think robots are going to become a lot more prevalent both in the store and behind the scenes, the behind-the-store kind of experience. What about AI? Where do we see AI playing a role with retail? Oh, AI is the logic that underlies all of these things, right? If you're thinking about autonomous stores, how do you actually take the data to customize the merchandise, the assortment, everything that's needed to that particular store? 
you talk about metaverse, how do you actually allow people to fluidly move between the physical and the digital kind of realm, right? When you talk about BOPAs, what kind of stuff do you need? How do you optimize the inventory? So to me, it is the glue that holds the future of retail together is AI because that allows you to effectively function and to scale to whatever level of ambition that you have, all the different components, the complex components of retail. So take all the data and you know make it smarter so that you can serve these functions, bring them together. You can also personalize. Yes. And my understanding is that you know personalization will will be even deeper, sort of in the future, given that we're just going to continue to have more competition, right? And and that competition is sort of like at your fingertips, right? Because it's also online, it's also virtual. Yeah, competition will explode, but so will personalization, right? So you are going to see the future is you're going to see products that only you want, right? Based on your past experience and based on what you think is your future expectations, where, where AI is able to allow you to discover products that help build your identity. So absolutely. So we see, I mean, we see that now where like ads are tailored to us or the news is sort of tailored to us, whether we like it or not. But is that future of retail where it's like, okay, the experiences that I'm going into, whether it's the metaverse or a store is more tailored to me dynamically because they understand who I am because of the AI aspect. Maybe they can, they see me walking in they're like, okay, Jeff's sized X, Y, and Z here. I'm going to change this mannequin to kind of look show some products that might fit him better in a virtual display. Is that the sort of personalization we're thinking about changing, that it's it's not just some of the online targeting, it's sort of the experience targeting that becomes more dynamic? Absolutely, right? And think about it. If you can actually get that level of personalization, then your experience becomes unique to you and you're going to be more engaged with the process. Of course, that also brings up the, the undiscussed part of things is, are you willing to share the data? Do you trust the retailer, right? Or do you trust the party that's capturing your data? And for that future to happen, this is what we need. Like That's the friction point, right? How do we gather data and analyze it and leverage it to actually provide those customized experiences? And the friction there is that the consumer wants to make sure, you know, they want to make sure the data is used effectively. And if the data is used effectively, they love the personalization angle. With respect to technology and what new technologies will transform retail, I think that there are a couple of obvious ones. Certainly, I expect that there will be lots more automation in the future. And automation can comprise so many different things. It could be robots that do counting or placing of items in warehouses or on shelves. It could be robots that clean up spills or keep areas sanitized. I mean, some of these robots already exist and are deployed in live deployments around the U.S. and the world. So that's one solution. The challenge has been that the costs of some of those automated solutions are not at the level that justifies replacing human labor yet. We see that even with autonomous retail, cashierless retail. There are some experiments around the world that essentially allow you to scan a credit card and go shop around. And there's camera vision to identify what you pick up or put down. And it charges you for anything that you take out of a store. And Amazon Go is probably the best example of that. 
The other thing that I expect that we'll see a lot of is real-time manufacturing, 3D printing, any opportunity to be able to manufacture on demand. We see that in small ways where you see customization of, you know, kind of very specific products so that you don't have to carry excessive inventory that you don't necessarily need. I was in a sports store in New York, for instance. It was actually the Paris Saint-Germain licensed store in the U.S. or the store in the U.S. I actually don't know if it was licensed or not, but they had the opportunity to, you know, kind of you can you can create some customized shirts, for instance, like if you want one of the specific logos on a specific size, rather than them having, you know, kind of every logo already available in every size, you know, you had the opportunity to mix and match what you wanted. And that's, I think, going to become increasingly common. And that's a really small scale example of that. But in the future, I expect different shapes and different colors and more ability to customize on demand in a local environment, in a, well, it doesn't even necessarily need to be in a local environment because, you know, kind of that's one of the beauties of of e-commerce is that ability to, to create that custom products. What about voice AI? You know, it's been such a big, one of the fastest growing uh, technologies uh, recently from an adoption perspective. How do we see that impacting the shopping experience? In a very big way. And if you think about, as I said, retail is about buying and you can buy goods or services. So think about the QSR environment, right? So you can completely remove the ordering system right now if you have a voice AI and you have that, and then you take it further, you can have a video AI, right? Why just limited to voice? We can have video conversations. You're able to give not just voice, but then you got the visual components that allow you to figure things out and digitally expose it. So I do think in that idea of frictionless retail, right? It's about touching, feeling, getting as much information as you can, both voice and video AI are going to be the future that allow for customers to get information that they want at the beck and call whenever they want in a way that is effective for them. One of the things we talked about in the voice AI, the future voice AI episode was interactive advertising. And it was this notion that, you know, an ad plays to you and then you have a conversation. So it prompts a conversation. And and if you and if you that could load into a video, you know, I could imagine where it's like, okay, oh, I'm interested in something. I have a conversation with my ad. And then I, I load an interactive display in, <laughs> in the metaverse store via my, because I have my AR glasses on. And I could see that evolution where it's like, okay, the interactivity of shopping could, you know, technologies like voice AI, like AR could play into, you know, that personalization, you know, if you have all the technology behind it. Yeah, and that's where the retail media networks are going, right? Is that I do think that you'll see a proliferation of screens in retail stores very soon. And that is for that engagement where you're able to give them information at the point of sale to convert them. Think about how many times you walk into the store and you walked out with because you couldn't get the product that you want. Now, at that very point, you can actually have an AI-driven intervention that allows you to actually convert that person and give them an experience that they want. Yeah, one of the things I think this, we talked about uh, Bopis, you know, buy online, pick up in store. But the flip of that, right, is that I go into the store and I'm buying online, 
right? So I'm like, you know, I'm scanning QR codes and it's assembled for me at checkout or it's just, it's, they're shipping it to my house because it's a pain to go pick up stuff. So I'm just scanning things, right? Do you see a big trend of that? Because I've heard this notion of like the dark store where, you know, like this other store that's all just focused on, you know, assembling your goods and shipping them to you because the in-person experience, you could use a lot more of that space. Instead of stocking goods, you could use a lot more of that space just, just to showcase individual items that you sort of scan along the way. Do you see a big trend there? I do. One, dark stores, yes, right? That's the secret behind quick commerce uh, is dark stores. I think when it comes to groceries, you're seeing a lot of grocers also deploy dark stores so they can manage inventory and service a larger area. So they could be servicing other grocery stores where they carry it, but they have an inventory hub, which is a dark store. You could actually go in. I love what you just said, Jeff, about actually, you know, experiencing a product and then placing the order and then having it assembled in the back. You don't need to really have all that square footage, right? You can see a shrinkage of physical stores by using some of this dark store concept and utilizing some part of the store for display, uh, experiencing it. And then who cares behind the scenes how messy it is? Get the product built, delivered to the front of the store. You'll see that the store itself, the notion of the store and what it plays is going to evolve. And it's not just that it's a place to buy products. It's a place to get educated. It's a place to experience something for the first time. It's a place for community. And at least in my world, it's a big place for community. And that, I think, is the future. What about Amazon? Obviously, you know, we see them advancing. They're doing a lot with robotics right now with drones sort of behind the scenes. Um, they're getting some approvals there. There's They've sort of been a pioneer with with just walkout technology. Uh, they bought Whole Foods recently. And so they're kind of getting into the physical sort of environment more, you know, recognizing the bridge. Where Any thoughts on kind of where they're going to be taking things or where kind of the big opportunities are for them? I love Amazon for two reasons, right? One is that they have a culture of experimentation and trying things. And second is that they're using, it's a data-driven approach for everything that you just said. The underlying essence is data, right? How do we leverage data that we have of customers to, to provide or engage in these different things? And they try to eliminate friction wherever possible. In my personal opinion, you need to have physical stores in many ways. And that's why you're seeing Amazon making much stronger inroads into the physical. We'll see that happen throughout the time. What I think is interesting is that other retailers have caught on to this, right? Do you think about the targets? You think about the Walmarts and so forth. Home Depot. They're all trying to do this, what you have called the hybrid option. And so it's not it's the competition is catching up, the gap is reducing, and you're seeing the pressure that Amazon is facing from that perspective. How do we do this and how do we do this in a way that can scale and not just limit itself to a few experiments here and there, right? And, and that's that I think is the future for Amazon is that they'll continue to be physical. They'll continue to use leverage data and to provide customers with a unique experience. But at the same time, I think they'll start focusing more and more as well on a few core things. How do we think the kind of sustainability and ESG uh, will evolve for retail? We see major trends there now, major awareness, a lot of effort, but kind of in the future, how do you see that evolving? Yeah, I think it will be an expectation from every retailer in the future that they have a sustainable footprint. The consumers, right, are demanding it and it is going to be woven into the fabric. 
That being said, at this point of time, to allow for that sustainable future, it's the cost more barriers, right? Like more oftentimes these sustainable products are more expensive. So retailers behind the scenes are working to figure that out. How do we make this where if ESG is built into the fabric of the retail, it has to be at the same price, right? And that's where you see the innovations happening with even fast fashion retailers like H&M and so forth, right? How do we actually bring it sustainability into something that is a $10 item? And that, I think, is the future. Sustainability is going to be expected. It's going to be the norm if you're not having a sustainable footprint. But at the same time, the route to getting there is to deal with the cost aspects, make it acceptable to make it not a premium price product, but a product that everyone can offer, can consume. And the second part is how do you measure sustainability, right? There are so many different ways of measuring it. So a, a uniform agreement on how do we measure sustainability is going to be critical to enable that. I read your article about how it's sort of we're in the wild west right now of that space. But so more standards around that as we get to trust that that's an important part of our buy-in experience will be coming. Yeah. And at this point, I'll also say from a consumer perspective, sustainability, right? There is a group of consumers for whom sustainability is core. It has to be everyone's issue. There's an educational gap that we're missing, right? How, what do they mean by sustainability for categories? They're not informed. Then there's the, the cradle to cradle. How do you get things back into the system once it's been consumed? That's, that's the, the last aspect. A lot of things that needs to be fixed and processes that have to be developed, but I'm optimistic. If I were a business owner or if I were a retail owner, I think that the biggest concerns are how you're going to deal with this new and well, it's not a new environment, but this environment in which consumption and the nature of consumption having so many negative externalities, that that's becoming more evident. And if you are in the retail sector, to really think about whether or not, how do you balance products versus services? How do you, you know, kind of our services, in fact, add a better way to address some of those environmental issues? And I do think that we'll, we'll see much of that. You know, historically, retailers have liked the scale that comes with physical goods and the margins that come with physical goods. And they don't like the labor-intensive nature, sometimes the, the challenges with quality control or the inability to scale services businesses. But that does seem like if you are going to be in the retail business, that you need to be open to selling more than just physical goods. As we're wrapping up here, I want to ask you just some questions that let's talk about advice, essentially. So if I'm a business owner in retail, like what advice would you give me? I mean, I guess, you know, let's let's consider that I'm a medium sized business. I'm not a small business. I'm not a huge business, but I'm a medium sized business. Yeah. So the first advice would be technology is not a cost, right? Technology is a differentiator. You want to see technology as a way to differentiate yourself from competition, and you want to see, and the second part related to the technology would be that technology is an enabler of experiences. So how do you actually 
get a better experience for the end customer. Oftentimes, you deploy technology for just the sake of technology and not about creating that experience that wows them, right? Or that at least that meets their expectations. So those would be two things that are related to technology that I would advise. Uh, and then a little bit more fundamental, you said medium, right? Like So the consumer trends are changing dramatically. I think one of the biggest challenges that retailers have to face is to stay abreast of these changing trends. And what's the value that you're bringing? You hear of all these retail store closures, big stores now dying, right? And it's because of that, the trend, they have not stayed abreast of the trends. And that is something that we need to, I would strongly advise. I'm a consumer-driven person, so that would be the first trend. What are the changes in customer dynamics? How do you create value? And then you think about price, you think about merchandising, you think about technology as enablers of that. I know there's been a shortage of workers, and we talked about robotics today, automation. Robots really shine in the dirty, dull, dangerous space and dull you know, if I'm stocking shelves, maybe that's not great for me as a human. Maybe it's not elevating me as a human. So obviously there's the the reskilling aspect that's needed. But as jobs shift and change, and they're, they've already changed, right, in the last couple of years quite a bit. But I think part of that has been people saying, hey, I'm, I don't want to go back to retail. But still there's like, you know, I don't know, maybe what percent of the world still works in retail? You know, these are the everyday people that still are on the front lines of making all these stores work and being part of the customer experience. What advice do you have for those that are going to continue to work in the space or anticipate this is where I've been and this is part of my future? Yeah. So retail is the largest private sector employer, just at least in the U.S., right? Yeah. I don't think that's going to change in the near future, at least. And I think the store associates, the store teams, they need to take pride in the fact that the stores are ground for them to actually build a lot of skills that they have. Emerging technologies, right? So they can actually learn those technologies that can be, like, think about robotics, think about AI. You're hearing companies actually training their store associates on that. Think about leadership, the human aspects of things. We are human. We want human engagement, Right. Stores are a really good training ground to deal with customer experiences, to hone your skills on how do you interact with that irate customer who didn't find the product. And those are skills that is transferable to a lot of different skills. So what I'm trying to say, and I'm going to quote my friend here on this, is to have retail pride, right? Like pride in the fact that you're working in retail and that your skills that you learn on the stores can be transferable to multiple different things. And there is a career path up retail from starting from the store associates level. At the same time, there is a need to reskill and upskill, right? You need to be more technology cognizant. Most of the retail store associates are don't even have an undergraduate degree, right? They are going through college when they work through stores, when they work as store associates, or they don't have that college degree. So you need to skill train them in technical skills, be it automation, be it AI, be it customer service, right? That's a core aspect of things. So need to learn that skills to keep themselves valuable in the future. I want us to close with creating a new acronym, if we can, for the retail space for the future. Do you know if there's an acronym for buy in-store or pick up at home? Oh my goodness. <laughs> No, I'm not sure. <laughs> if there isn't, I think we should coin one today. That's BISPA. It's buy in store, pick up at home. 
that's going to be a big part of the future. We got Bopis, but yes. we're going to have a lot of BISPA. We're going to be going to stores. We're going to be experiencing things. And we're going to let the drones deliver the stuff to our house or yeah. the, you know, the robots have it ready for us because we're going to just be focusing on that experience and that personalization, that customization that, that we talked about. Yeah, and to your point, though, right, I think Walmart did start the at-home delivery service, right? And Amazon has those lockers that you can put in your home, kind of a stuff. You're, you're spot on. Ultimately, I do think that's what it's going to be, is that you're going to have it delivered at your home. And I will say it's not delivery at your home, but it's delivery at the point of time when you want it, right? So wherever it is, be it at your office, be it at your home, it's a certainty that you know you'll get the product at that particular point of time. Maybe it's BISPAC. It's buy in store, pick up at your convenience. <laughs> there you go. I love that. I love that. <laughs> All right. We're going to start using it. And then it's going to become a term that you're just going to read about. And people are like, what is that? It's like, oh, yes, that's, the coin that, go. that's the term that Gotham and, and Jeff coined back <laughs> in the year 2022. Remember what things were like back in 2022 when we, we were like, you know, actually driving cars and stuff like yeah. that? Yes, indeed. Yes, <laughs> indeed. That would be wonderful. My lasting legacy. <laughs> so Gotham, thank you for being with us. It was fun learning from you, talking about the future and coming up with an acronym together. Yes, uh, Jeff, thank you for the opportunity to share my visions of the future and to discuss where I think retail is going to head in the near, near future and the challenges to get to that future. The best part, of course, was the acronym that we jointly created. I hope that becomes part of the retail folklore. I had a very memorable time and I look forward to in future interactions. Thank you. The Future of Podcast is brought to you by Fresh Consulting. To find out more about how we pair design and technology together to shape the future, visit us at freshconsulting.com. Make sure to search for The Future of an Apple podcast, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found. Make sure to click subscribe so you don't miss any of our future episodes. And on behalf of our team here at Fresh, thank you for listening.